Blog Talk Radio. It's time to open up your eyes. Open your eyes to make you wealthy and wise. You can watch your profits rise with your business enterprise. We give you what you need to know, what you need to watch your earnings grow. You can reach your record highs with the business enterprise. Listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Erica Collins. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's Enterprise, where we want to see your business rise. It's August 15th, 2021, coming to you live from New York, New York. It's been a hot week in the town that never sleeps, while some of you are bracing for the storms in the Caribbean and others are wondering about back-to-school masks and vaccinations. We have a wonderful show for you today with Tim Highborn, CEO of The High Agency. Good evening, Tim. Hello there. Tim Highborn, CEO of The High Agency, an Atlanta-based consulting firm focuses on helping entrepreneurs to gain access to capital and assisting investors in identifying low-risk, high-yielding investment opportunities. For more than 25 years, he has assisted startups and seasoned enterprises to secure funding. Once again, a welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things we like to do is to take a little travel back into time to when you were a boy. What did you want to be? Wow. When I was a boy, I wanted to be a magician, actually. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I know. What what occurs that? I I, I don't know. It's just, you know, something about, you know, um, doing magic, you know, got me excited during that time. So I never ended up being a magician, but um, that was, you know, one of my childhood aspirations. It probably led you to making the magic uh, for funding for, for startups now. It's kind of the same kind of seed. Uh, what yeah. makes you yeah, want to yeah. work in business funding and marketing and branding, etc.? Well, mainly because, you know, um, everyone – Everyone needs money, you know, regardless of the level of business you you operate in. Everyone needs it. So it's kind of a recession-proof industry to be in, and it's also helping folks at the same time. So those are the two primary reasons I, I chose that as a path, career path. And can you tell us a little bit more about your career path? What are some of the things that you were involved in, some of your success stories? Well, um, I'm a – a 25-year entrepreneur, and earlier in my entrepreneurial um, path, I had struggled with raising funds myself. And you know, we had a pretty, pretty uh, good management team. We, we, we looked really good on paper, but we still uh, was challenged with um, getting funding. And so, we spent a couple years trying to raise a few million dollars, and that was an educational process. So um, after, you know, being able to successfully raise money for my own companies, um, you know, I just kind of decided to leverage that experience into helping other people. 
And how would you say your experiences prepared you for the business that you have now? Um, well, as, as, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, I realized again, you know, how challenging it was to go out and raise money. And it's not as simple as, as you would think, you know, like having good credit or having a, a, you know, a strong bio or a great idea. It's really not that simple. It's really just being familiar with, you know, the algorithms associated with, um, how, investors make decisions on how they fund or how banks make their lending decisions. And so, you know, becoming familiar with those algorithms, you know, we just kind of decided to, you know, leverage that into a, a product by assisting our customers to, you know, to, to, to fit, you know, within that, that system and therefore make them more bank-friendly or investor-friendly. For the audience that might not be familiar with some of the algorithm. What type of uh, business products are you offering? Okay, so when it, um, you know, business funding spread across several different types of, uh, of, of products. It can be something as simple as getting a, a secure or unsecure line of credit. In that instance, you know, it's pretty, you know, pretty much credit-based to you know, um, a startup or something wouldn't be what they call bank, uh, bankable uh, uh, transactions. And so we would go to private money sources to, um, you know, introduce those opportunities. And so they operate a little differently than the bank. Um, credit is not really a factor in that environment. It's more about, you know, uh, the market opportunity and what the downside risks are for the investor, and, that, and they pretty much make their lending decisions based on that. Okay. How has the coronavirus pandemic affected your business? Um, it's actually increased our business, um, mainly because, you know, a lot of people were at home and had more time to pursue their business aspirations. And mm-hmm. so that resulted in, you know, a spike in business for us. Positives and negatives of your journey. Well, the positive is, you know, I, I meet a lot of different uh, business professionals and entrepreneurs and see a lot of great projects and and ideas. And so I would say that's the, you know, the most exciting part. Um, the most challenging part is, you know, uh, some clients may have a great idea, but they're not, you know, structured properly and they're not really ready to receive the money. And um, so oftentimes we, you know, are challenged with, you know, getting them, you know, um, in the condition where they can actually take in and take in the funds. So I would say that's the most challenging part. You know, the sophistication level across um, our client base varies. Um, there are some people that are, you know, very novice type, uh, you know, they're, they're entry level. And then there are some people that are, you know, fairly sophisticated. Um, so, you know, based on that, that would determine, you know, how, how you know, intense our, our, our effort is with that particular client. Who are some of your most notable clients or projects? Well, um, because 
you know, we, we don't really have a, a, a vertical that we focused on. So uh, we've, you know, raised funding for companies in like the healthcare uh, technology industry. Um, we help raise funds for people that have, um, uh, that are in the, in, in the cannabis and the hip industries. Um, we are currently working with companies that um, are working on a, uh, a vaccine technologies, emerging vaccine technologies. Um, a lot of uh, government projects in other countries. Um, so they, you know, our experience kind of spreads across all, all industries. And um, you know, the average size deal that we that we work on, you know, say like twenty million and, and above would be our. And what is the best advice? you can give for those people who want to apply to the high agency? Um, the best advice I would give is to um, have all of the optics in place because that's, you know, uh, the majority of the funding or, or lending decision. So when I, when, when, when I say optics, I mean, you know, have a web presence and have your business plan well articulated and, you know, um, a solid, you know, or cogent business strategy along with, you know, a management team that would correlate with that. And so those are just the basic things that you need to have in place to even, you know, get into discussions with, you know, an investor or, or a lending source. And, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs underestimate you know, the importance of, you know, having the optics in place. Some, sometimes they think that just having a great product or a good idea is enough and and the demand for the product, but it's really not because, you know, just like buying, you know, emotions are, you know, 70% of, of you know, the driver in that, in that transaction. It's the same with investing. You know, it's just that, you know, the – vernacular in that environment is just a little bit more sophisticated, but the concerns are the same. And, you know, they have to, you know, feel good about doing business with you. So I would say having the basic optics in place would be key. That's a good point. Uh, Where would you like to see your work in the future? Um, You know, my plan is to kind of migrate from, being a consultant into being the actual investor. So mm-hmm. um, we have been, um, you know, making connections with um, um, funding sources with the intent to create our own fund and therefore deepen our, our position within the uh, industry value chain as far as, you know, business funding is concerned. And so we would actually become the lender versus acting as a consultant and connecting them to the lender. Okay. And do you have any upcoming events? You know, we um, our, our business is pretty much all referral. So we don't do um, any marketing. And when, when you're in the area of high finance, oftentimes, um, the borrowers as well as the investors don't wish to be known. And mm-hmm. so for those reasons, we don't, um, you know, we don't really advertise, uh, but we are, you know, we consistently seek out, you know, opportunities 
And I can tell you that there is no no shortage of money out there. Um, you know, there's really just a shortage of, you know, real, um, you know, opportunities. And so, um, you know, as far as upcoming events, you know, I, I can't really, you know, identify any at this time other than that we are, you know, focused on increasing our, our reach uh, within, you know, those those population of business clients that need need funding. Uh, what would you say, in general, um, what type of ROI are your investors looking for? What, what what was the question? What type of what are they looking for? Return on their investment. What type of ROI are they kind of looking for, especially for startups? Yeah. Okay. So with um, with the type of investors that we work with, um, and because it is private money, the 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 expectation as far as returns are much higher than it would be like, you know, getting a loan at a bank. So as an example, when you go into the bank and you apply for a loan, let's say it's a commercial real estate development, you know, you're going to pay anywhere from 8% and up for for the money. Um, when you're dealing with a venture capitalist, you know, they're looking for returns that are multiples of that. So, you know, they're looking for, you know, 30, 40, 50% returns per year and up as a minimum. Mm-hmm. All right. But they are, unlike the bank, willing to fund, you know, 100% of the projects in most cases. And so that would be, you know, why folks would come to us because they, you know, they, they have the, you know, a cogent strategy in place, and they have the relationships and everything in place, but they just lack the capital. Um, banks really don't like dealing with startups, and when they do, they want you to pledge all of your assets, whereas a venture capitalist, you know, they just want to, you know, make sure that their money's not, you know, um, at risk and that the that the returns are, you know, potentially high. Do you have a, a starting phase number uh, for most of the startups that you invest in? Yeah, so, um, you know, our average project, on the low end, you know, um, our investors um, will invest about $20 million to say as a, as a floor, and they go mm-hmm. up from there. And so currently we're work, working on projects that are $20 million up to $200 million, um, in size. And um, mm-hmm. and so, and in 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 these cases, the investor would fund 100% of the project. Uh, essentially, um, there's just you know a little startup costs for um, the borrower or the uh, the business owner. They do have to have some money, but you know it's really just um, for show. So when you get into to high finance, most of the Investment activity uh, occurs within a leveraged environment, all right? So as an example, mm-hmm. unlike the regular uh, small to medium-sized business that walk, walk into a bank and they apply for a loan, the bank looks at, looks at their, you know, their balance sheets and, you know, all their assets and their credit history, and they render a um, – a lending, a lending decision based on that, whereas in a high finance environment, um, 
there are um, uh, there, there's there, there's access to the types of money that is not accessible to folks that work within the lower uh, segment of the market. And so, as an example, when you're trying to borrow forty, fifty million and up, the you know, assuming that you know they like your 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 strategy and all your optics is in place, the primary factor in getting access to the funds is is um, how much capability you can demonstrate from a financial perspective. So an investor, you know, wants to see that you have so much money in the bank, right? So you know, seventy, eighty percent of their lending decision. So if you're able to show that you have a certain amount of assets that you can demonstrate and, and it and it's not required that you encumber it or, you know, pledge it to, you know, as as, as part of the transaction. Um they just use it as a as a screening uh, mechanism to get access to the type of deals that they want. So and so when you know when you're borrowing at that level you know, you you usually have access to what we call a, a four to one and up um, leveraged um, account. So, and what I mean by that is, if you're trying to borrow forty million, you show ten that gives you access to the forty. So goes all the way up the chain. So when you when you look at all of the development that's going on in the country, or these millions or billions of dollars that's being raised, um, those monies are, you know, invested primarily um, in a, in a in a leveraged environment. What would you say is, uh, I guess you'd say the either the red flags or the highlights of the due diligence process. In, in trending and what you've seen so far? Well, you know, due diligence, the due diligence will vary based on the nature of the project and what the risk level is. So in, in, let's just take like a real estate transaction as an example. Because you have actual real estate as um, collateral to the transaction, then there's very little risk for, you know, an investor. So the due diligence um, activity is a lot lower than it would be in a scenario where, um, you know, you're trying to create some emerging technology or something like that, right? So then the due diligence would be much more, you know, intense because there's really nothing more than intellectual property um, that, that they can attach, Right, so the investor has to feel really good about you know the idea and feel very comfortable with what the market opportunity is, so to kind of answer your question, the level of due diligence uh varies uh, but that's still secondary to um the mechanisms that are employed in a leveraged environment, so uh, you know there's a term called fractional banking. And what that mm-hmm. what that is is it's related to um, laws that are um, that govern the banking industry. Okay, and what most people don't know is that when you go into a bank and borrow money, is really not your is is really not the bank's money that they're loaning you. 
they actually go to the Fed and request that money on your behalf, okay? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. a, a, a banking, uh, having a banking license or charter uh, enables you legally to request money to loan uh, to the to, to the borrowers, you actually facilitate that process. And, and so what happens is when you deposit money into a bank, that money that you're depositing is not what, what's being loaned out. It's, it's, it's the money that they're getting from the Fed. And the amount of money that they get from the Fed is based on the amount of deposit. So for every dollar that is deposited into a, an FDIC-insured bank, that triggers access for the bank to loan out $9. So for every dollar invested, the bank gets access to loan out 9 And um, And so for, for large depositors, the um, lending process is a lot more friendlier because mm-hmm. these depositors are accelerating the bank's access to more money so they can make more loans and charge more interest. And I so think America has become very, very familiar with the Fed chair this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Continue, guys. Yeah. So, you know, large depositors, they actually enable the bank's um, lending capacity. So they, um, you know, they're treated much differently than the average person. Makes perfect sense. Well, that was uh, great information and hopeful information for startups to, to see how to place themselves for an agency such as yours. What is next for Tim Highborn, the man himself? Well, you know, um, I am approaching 60 years old, so my plan was to retire a few years ago. I missed that benchmark, so um, I'm hoping to be able to do that within the next couple of years, and I'm optimistic based on uh, the activity that we have in our pipeline. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Tim Hyburn, so much for being on our show. We know that you and the High Agency will continue to be a great success. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our 2021 business of business on Blog Talk Radio Enterprise. Remember to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. You're listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Erica Collins.